Hey dreamers, this is your host Barry Miracle. Welcome to Wake Up Into Your Dream. It's time to wake up out of the nightmares of normality and wake up into God's divinely designed dream for your life. Jump on this podcast today and let's discover God's awesomeness waiting for you. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Wake Up In Your Dream. This is Barry Miracle, your dream coach, and we are continuing on with episode 83 um, and the series that we've, we've called The Ascended Life. We're on part seven called Accessibility Granted. But before I go any further, I want to wish everyone, all of our listeners, a very happy Easter, the greatest weekend uh, we celebrate of the year has got to be Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday. Amen. Uh, it's all about what Jesus did for us. You know, years ago, I, I had a heart attack exactly about five years ago, coming up this June. And a few months after I had the heart attack, uh, the enemy came to me in my bathroom, rude, right? And I'm getting ready for the day, and he says to me, he says, uh, what makes you think that you're going to, you know, finish your race well? What makes you think that you're going to be able to fulfill your purpose? He says, and then he mentioned three generals that just got taken out, and I believe ahead of time. They they did not get the three score and ten. They certainly didn't get the 120, and they were taken out, it seems like, before they were finished their um, their life here on earth and their purposes, which it seemed in the physical. I know that God had a lot of prophetic things going on and was showing us different things, but it still was like, Barry, like you think you're going to fulfill purpose when these generals could not? And uh, he, he said, and I, and I just began to think, wow, that's probably pretty true there. I'm just low man on the totem. I can't, I can't compare my life with these generals. And uh, as soon as I began to kind of receive what the enemy is trying to download to me, um, the, the Lord came to me and he says, he says, son, um, some of my servants don't make it because they put more faith in what they're about to do. They put more faith in the vision of what's going to about to happen and what they're about to do more than they put their faith in what I've already done for them. So it's back to Jesus Christ and his righteousness. So anyway, I my the way I looked at things changed from that day on. I, I'm not looking, you know, I you know, my faith is in Jesus Christ and his righteousness and everything that Jesus did for me. My faith is in what Jesus has done. My my hope is in vision. My hope is in dreams. My hope is in purpose. But my faith is securely upon what Jesus did when he was here and his death, burial, resurrection, ascension, and living the ascended life. So anyway... So here we are. Uh, we're continuing on this series called The Ascended Life. And I wanted to share why we have the ability to have and live the ascended life. Um, I wanted to share exactly what gives us the all access, access pass into the ascended 
abundant life. So we are living uh, from our righteousness, right? We're living from our victory. We're living because we are seated in heavenly places far above all principalities and powers of darkness. We are seated in heavenly places with Christ, in Christ, on the throne. We don't have a separate throne, but we are in and on the throne with God. Uh, um, here's a couple of scriptures I want to read for you just before I get into the major teaching today. And I think you're going to find this really interesting and outstanding. And I, I believe that many of you uh, haven't even ha heard this uh, presented before. But anyway, here we go. Uh, Romans 6, 4, and 5. Sharing in his death by our baptism means that we were co-buried with him. So that when the Father's glory raised Christ from the dead, we were also raised with him. We have been co-resurrected with him so that we could be empowered to walk in the freshness of new life. The freshness of new life. For since we are permanently grafted into him to experience death like his, then we are permanently grafted into him to experience a resurrection like his and the new life that it imparts. Amen. Isn't that powerful? There were actually seven places where Jesus bled for our perfect redemption. Did you hear that? There are seven places where God prophetically shows us he paid for every area and aspect of our lives. We are, we are, we are being uh, saved and blessed and prospered mentally, physically, emotionally, socially, financially, and spiritually. We are being blessed in all areas of our lives because Jesus paid the price for our perfect redemption. So I'm going to read that. I'm going to read Romans 6, 4, and uh, 4 through 6 this time in a different translation. Uh, Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, Father even so we should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. Come on now. See, Jesus was the second and last Adam. Jesus became the perfect lamb of God that would die and bleed and purchase uh, our redemption. Jesus is the one who gave us perfect accessibility, gave us all accessibility granted because he paid the price in, for every area and aspect of our lives. So I, I, if you've been following me for very long, you've heard me say something like this before. Redemption is better than perfection. In the beginning, when God created everything, he created it and then he formed it. Things are created before they're formed and things are uh, recreated before they're reformed. 
And that's something that I'm going to be getting into in the near future. So you could just put that one in the back of your mind because I'm coming back after that one and it's going to be, it's going to be powerful. But redemption is better than perfection. When, when God uh, created and then he formed man out of the dust of the earth and then he breathed life into him, he said... This is what he said, let us make, let us make man, that's Elohim, the pluralization of God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Let us make man in our image and according to our likeness. When God created man, he created him perfect. And then he gave him a choice. He created him perfect, and then he gave him a will. He created him perfect. He, he, gave, he gave us a body, and then he breathed life into us. The Rock HaKodesh, the holy breath of God, was breathed into us, and we became a living soul. And, and then we, then we um, you know, disobeyed God, and we became a soul. We, we were no longer the living soul. We no longer had the accessibility that we once had. And so here we go. The, um, when God created us, he created us perfect. But when he recreated us, so he created us and then he formed us. And then he recreated us in Christ Jesus and he reformed us. When you reform something, you bring it to the original intent and then you upgrade it. And that's why when you got redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ, you became upgraded from perfection. We're not, when we got born again, when we accepted the blood that Jesus shed for us, when, when we accepted it, we were reformed in Christ Jesus. We were brought back to the original state of Adam, and then we were upgraded into something greater than the crown and glory of all of his creation. We, we, be, we became something greater than um, the vice regent of all of his creation. We became co-heirs with Christ Jesus. So the scripture that I just read to you, that if we were buried with him, uh, when he died, we, we died. When he was resurrected, we were resurrected. When, when he ascended, we ascended. When he, as he sits in heavenly places in that ascended life, we are also living with him because we have become co-heirs with Christ Jesus and we are actually right now seated in heavenly places far above all principalities and powers of darkness. The blood of Jesus Christ has created accessibility for the Holy Spirit to come back in. The Rock HaKodesh, the holy breath of God has come into our spirits and, uh, and re- ignited and resurrected and brought newness and we became one with the spirit of God becoming this brand new species of being that never was before we are part of the royal race and, and you've probably heard me say this before there's only two races on the earth the human race and the royal race there are many beautiful cultures, and I've talked about that. You know, I have a, I come from the Mohawk Nation, and we have a beautiful um, Iroquoian traditions and Mohawk traditions, and I belong to the Haudenosaunee, the people of the Longhouse, and and we have a beautiful culture, beautiful tradition, but I'm still part of the human race, and, and I'm part of now, more importantly, part of the royal race, and where I have been redeemed and I am better than perfect. Somebody say, redemption is better 
than perfection. Come on, you can say it. <laughs> Redemption is better than perfection. Isn't that amazing? So the payment of the blood that Jesus shed created accessibility for Holy Spirit to come into our whole spirit, soul, and body. What makes you whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus creating accessibility for God to become one with your spirit. He who has become, uh, he who has accepted the blood of Jesus Christ and the spirit of God came into him, he has become now one with the spirit of God. You say, I am one with the Spirit of God. Say this, I am one with the creator of the universe. Come on. That in itself is such a major takeaway. That If you get nothing more than, uh, than what you just repeated after me from this episode, you are getting a bunch of revelation right there. You just got to, Father God, what does it mean to become one with you? Because you, not only were you buried with Christ when he died, you were resurrected when he came back to life. And, and not only were you resurrected, you ascended, and, you, and now we're seated in heavenly places, far above all principalities and powers of darkness, sitting upon the throne of God, living the ascended life. And the more you understand that, the greater victory you shall have in this life. And I just want to share, uh, just before I get into <laughs> the major part of this teaching, what makes you whole, right? What, what is the thing that makes you whole? It's the presence of God. So let me give you an example. Moses was running from Pharaoh and he, was, he, he fled the, the, at 40 years old. He fled Egypt and ran into the wilderness. And for 40 years, he was running for his life because he's wanted for treason and wanted for uh, murder and sedition. And so he, uh, on, when he's 80 years old, God shows up. You know, now it's two generations he's into. And God shows up with a flaming, uh, you know, a bush, a fiery bush that was on on fire, but it wasn't being consumed. And the, this bush is just, you know, radiating this fire that's coming out of it. And and it catches his eye and, it, and, it, and, and signs and wonders are to catch your attention, but you got to turn towards them, right? So you understand that signs and wonders are great, but you, if you don't turn towards them, if you don't say what, you know, what is this all about? If you don't investigate it, you'll just be like anybody else that's in a powerful service, but they don't pay attention or not turn aside to it. They don't, they don't add their faith to it. They can go out of that meeting and not even be touched, not even know that the glory of God was there because they, they didn't turn aside. So Moses saw it. It caught his peripheral and then he turned aside and he walked over to it. And as he's walking over to it, this is what the God said out of that burning bush. He said, take off your shoes for where you are standing is holy ground. Well, where you are standing is holy ground. Well, just like, you know, maybe the day before when the when God didn't show up, there might have been bunny droppings, might have been sheep droppings, there might be briars and bushes, there's definitely dirt. What made that ground holy where you are standing is holy ground is because the presence of God was there. When you accept the blood of Jesus Christ and when Holy Spirit comes into your life, you become a holy vessel. What makes you holy is the presence of God that is saturating you. You are full of God 
on your worst day because Holy Spirit came on the inside of you. When you begin to face temptations, when you begin to face problems, when, 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 when the enemy begins to come in like a flood, this produces power because there's a demand of the grace and glory and power in the rivers of living water to come up and mantle you and supersaturate you and begin to come upon you and be, you will be able to have powerful encounters and you'll be able to defeat things and heal the sick and raise the dead, cleanse the disease, cast out devils. You have to do the complete com- great commission of God because on, you, on your worst day, you're full of God. On your worst day, you're still the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Why? Because Holy Spirit, the Rock Hakodesh, the breath of God has been brought back into you and you've been recreated in Christ Jesus. And you are reformed into the, the many sons of the firstborn, which was Jesus. You became part of a royal race and you now are ruling and reigning and you just have to train your mind to receive this and believe this. And on your worst day, you can still say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And you can worship God because you're not dictated by circumstantial evidence in this temporary realm. You are dictated to by the word of God and by the spirit that bears witness with your spirit that you have been born again. Hallelujah. Well, I didn't plan on saying all that, but that was still good stuff. <laughs> so there are actually, so let's get on to the, the, the message that I want to really drive home today. And hopefully I, I got fi- about 15 minutes, so hopefully I can do it in 15 minutes. But this is such a deep, vast topic that I may have to split it up. But anyway, there are actually seven places where Jesus shed his blood for our perfect redemption. Seven is God's number of perfection. And you know what's kind of interesting is that I'm doing this pod, this podcast. This is the seventh part of this uh, series on the ascended life. I just anyway, I just thought that was interesting, life changing. Probably not, but pretty cool. Anyway, the first place where Jesus bled for our perfect redemption, we can find in Luke chapter twenty-two, verses thirty-nine through forty-five, and I'm going to read. Coming out, he went went to the Mount of Olives as he was accustomed, and his disciples also followed him. God, God, Jesus, had um, customs, and and he did things. He was was often going to the Mount of Olives, and that's where he would pray. When he came to the place, he said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. That's interesting. I don't know if you've ever picked that up before. Can you actually pray so that you do not enter into temptations? Would they maybe, is it possible that Peter may not have uh, fallen away? I don't know, but it says, pray that you may not enter into temptation. Verse 41, and he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw, and he knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will, yours be done. So he knew, you know, words of knowledge, words of wisdom, I don't know, where, uh, understanding, you know, the prophetic gifting operating in his life, being the Alpha and the Omega, the one that created everything. Jesus Christ might like, he knows what he's about to step into. He has an inkling of what he's about to pay for. And he's, he's going to shed his blood to, to uh, 
buy back humanity. Through one man, unrighteousness entered into the world, but through one man, the last Adam, the second and last Adam, righteousness is about to enter back in. And, and so he's not wanting to do this. So he says, Father, if it is your will, uh, take this cup away from me. And I, I've said this before, but I've also said this, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Uh, verse 43, then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him, thank God for that. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Then the Bible says here, then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And people says it's like, it, and no, but it, it's not, it's like unto, it is actually, this is what actually happened. I, w- I was at the birth of all five of our children and Tammy it was pushing with such um, force that she actually busted blood vessels in her forehead. So don't tell me, that Jesus is about to birth a brand new day. He's about to birth a new race of, of species. He's about to birth. He's about to pay the price for all humanity. He has all of this weight upon him. And you can see that even in his prayer to the father saying, father, can you, I, I don't want to do this, but if you want me to do it, I'll still do it. And he has all this pressure and he's about to birth the brand new day. And you're telling me that, no, it's just like, it's kind of like, it's not really. No, I'm telling you, he had so much pressure pressure on him. The blood was just coming through, profusely coming out of him and into this realm. And at the first place where he actually bled is the garden of Gethsemane. And what happened there is a redemption of the sin that happened in a garden. It was redeemed in another garden of obedience. There was a garden of disobedience bringing unrighteousness into the world. And now he's paying his blood in a garden of obedience. My God. Oh my God, that's powerful. So the first place he redeemed was the place in a garden where disobedience came. Now we can be obedient. Hallelujah. The second place where Jesus bled for our perfect redemption is found in Luke chapter 22, verses 63 and 64. Now the men who held Jesus mocked him and beat him. Having blindfolded him, they they struck him on the face and asked him saying, prophesy, who is the one who struck you? Luke 22 and 63 and 64 is the fulfillment of Isaiah 50 uh, verse 6, which is a prophecy about Jesus being beaten and, and, and punched in the face and, and his beard being plucked out. And so what, what this is you know, indicating to us is that every place where we spoke something, where we cursed, where we lied, where, where we um, put counterclaims and claims and, and, and jealous, operated in jealousy and saying, that's mine. And, and, and when it wasn't yours and, and the lying and the accusations that, that you committed, Jesus paid the price. He bled from his mouth. There was a ble- blood was shed so that you could speak life again. You didn't have to speak according to, to your, uh, the frailties of your flesh or the failures of your past, or you didn't have to speak in agreement with the circumstantial evidence 
evidence in the temporary realm. You could actually speak and call forth life and begin to speak life out of the out of your mouth flow the issue out of your heart flow the issues of life but they come out of your mouth life and death is in the power of your tongue you eat the fruit of your lips god paid that you can once again proclaim the promises and stop rehearsing the curse isn't that amazing hallelujah god paid the price the perfect price for our perfect redemption. So the third place may be the last place that I'm able to share, and I'll have to come back with four, five, and six, and seven next week. But look, let's see how far we get. The third place where Jesus bled for our perfect redemption is in Matthew chapter 27, verses 25 through 26. And all the people answered and said, his blood be on us and our children. Wow. Wow. What a prophecy. Then he released Barabbas to them. And when he was scourged, uh, Jesus, uh, he delivered him to be crucified. So Jesus was scourged. First Peter 2.24 says, Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we have having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes we were healed. Jesus was beaten. Jesus was scourged. Jesus was whipped. There was 39 stripes. He he bore 39 stripes. They weren't allowed to, to give them any more than 39. It was against the law to have more than 40 stripes. So they would give them 39 stripes, and I've heard different things that the whip uh, was made up of 13 strips of leather that, that had bone and metal weaved into it, and 39, uh, 39 stripes were like, there was like three vicious uh, uh, straps that would come across 13 strips of leather. So there's 13 uh, pieces of leather that had bone and metal pieces woven into it and tied into the leather so that it would rip the flesh. The, the, the Bible says that he was unrecognizable as a human. He looked, he, 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 you couldn't even, because he was so beaten, he was, there is rape to the bone that sometimes when, when, the, when the bone would rip and the metal would rip the flesh from Jesus, it, it, was, it was designed to absolutely cripple you. And he bore 39 stripes and I've heard it preached for years that there are 39 different disease groups and if you're a nurse or a doctor you can inbox me and let me know if, if I'm correct about that uh, I, I'm trying to do research on it and um, and of course like I've like I said I've heard it for years and years and years and I probably need to delve into that more but it makes sense to me and I believe that these preachers they're a good character and, and seem like they know their stuff pretty good so there are 39 different disease groups that Jesus bore the price. He Every stripe he bore, he bore for our, our the, the delivery, the deliverance of our body. Who himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that having died to sin, we might live for righteous, righteousness. By whose stripes we were healed you were healed this is this is what i'm talking about that he bled so that we could walk healthy lives the 
The blood of Jesus Christ created accessibility for the spirit of life. The blood that he shed in his body. He shed the stripes that he bore, the wounds that he were inflicted upon him has given us accessibility, the spirit of life to go into every cell, organ, and tissue of our bodies, and we can call forth health and healing. Uh, healing is the children's bread. Healing is what Je- one of the things that Jesus paid for us so that we, we could have our, our spirits saved, our souls being delivered, and our bodies being healed. This is the third place that Jesus shed his blood for our perfect sacrifice. And we have the fourth place where Jesus bled for our perfect sacrifice. It's found in Matthew chapter 27, verses 27 through 31. And and this is what it reads. It says, the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole garrison around him. And they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. And when they had twisted a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and a reed in his hand. And they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. Then they spat on him and took the reed and struck him on the head. And when they had mocked him, they took the robe off of him and put his own clothes on him and led him away to be crucified. When they had, verse 29, when they had twisted a crown of thorns, they put it on his head. The crown of thorns. This is the fourth place where Jesus shed his blood for our perfect redemption. This is where Jesus paid for your mind. This is where Jesus paid for your thoughts. This is where Jesus paid for every thought coming from the enemy. This is where Jesus paid so that you, that his mind could be in yours. Let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, that you have not been given the spirit of fear, but you've been given the spirit of power. You've been given the spirit of love and you've been given the spirit of a sound mind by Jesus paying uh, the price of, of receiving this crown of thorns gave accessibility for, for the for Holy spirit to come in and bring to you the mind of the anointed one and his anointing. The soldiers could have have just placed a normal crown on Jesus. After all, the Roman centurions uh, who represented the enemy of Israel, they just bloodied up a beautiful purple robe. So why wouldn't they just put on a beautiful crown and just mock him that way? Why did they put on, why did they put a crown of thorns on his head? What was the purpose of that? And I believe this. Because God had had a purposeful act he wanted to show us. That Jesus bled for the protection of our souls. The enemy is always trying to weave a story and pierce your mind with a message. The enemy of your soul is always trying to distribute to you a destiny that is contrary to your calling, election, purpose, and the very dream of God for your life. I I had mentioned um, a while ago in, in one of the other podcasts that the, the, 
The root word of demon in the Greek is deo, which means to distribute destinies. A demon's number one assignment on the earth is to distribute to you a destiny that is in agreement with hereditary curses, uh, family failures, cultural deficiencies, past failures, and that, that are all contrary to God's purposes for your life. He's, the enemy is trying to pierce your mind and gain accessibility to your life. The enemy is trying to distribute to you a destiny that is contrary to God's dream for your life. He has a nightmare that he wants to distribute to you and live out and have you come into agreement with. And I say, the blood, and I plead the blood of Jesus Christ over your minds right now. God, Jesus Christ himself, paid the price by the piercing of the, of the crowns, of the thorns to go into your mind so that he can create. The enemy's trying to pierce your mind, but Jesus paid the price so he cannot. Amen. In 2 Corinthians 12, verse 7 is where Paul just, he, he, he just comes back from the third heaven. And um, he's hearing such outstanding words from God that would take him about 14 years to be able to disseminate the revelation. And then he begins to write about two-thirds of the Bible in, in, in communication and sharing about the Christ. The Bible would go on to say that because of the abundance of knowledge that Paul received, the enemy had dis- had to distribute a messenger to Paul to beat him and buffet him to contain him so that he would be not allowed to be measured beyond the parameters that the enemy was comfortable for Paul to operate in. The message, the message was called the thorn in the flesh. The thorn in the flesh was a message from a messenger to pierce Paul's mind with a message that he could not fulfill. This is the message that, Paul, you will not be able to fulfill any of your calling because you disqualified yourself by the atrocities that you perpetrated against the church at your own hands. You, you, he put out papers. He was going and he was murdering Christians. And this is the this is the message that a messenger brought from Satan. You're disqualified by your past. The enemy is trying to do that. He's try, been trying to pierce your mind. And I want to decree and declare to you this day, the blood of Jesus Christ was shed against the piercings of the enemy coming into your mind. You do not have to receive any of the enemy's lies anymore. You are redeemed. You are a brand new creation. You are not no longer not underneath the Adamic curse because you've been transferred into the kingdom of light. You're no longer in that kingdom. You are no longer underneath the Adamic curse because you're no longer underneath the first Adam. You are now part of the second Adam and the lineage of Jesus Christ. You cannot sin any longer because you are not part of the sinful nature and God himself has taken up residence on the inside of you. Woo! Making you holy. You did not become righteous because you're so holy and you did everything right. You started at your new birth by becoming the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. The enemy is always trying to gain access to your mind because he who runs the soul of man runs the show on the earth. But the enemy can't because Jesus paid 
for the protection of your mind by the blood he shed and by the thorns he bore. Come on now, ladies and gentlemen, is that not so powerful? I might have to go back over this uh, next week. I'm going to have to do next week's on the fifth, sixth, and seventh place where Jesus shed his blood. But isn't this exciting? That Jesus went painstakingly through all the different stations uh, in, in that Passion Week. And, and he, he prepared himself and, and he began shedding blood even before he got to the cross. Showing us prophetically what he did for us in redemption. My God, my God, my God, my God. Hallelujah. Amen. I, I just preached myself happy, ladies and gentlemen. I'm just getting some revelation, some deeper revelation on, on what was purchased for us. So once again, your faith is in Jesus Christ and his righteousness, okay? Your faith is in what Jesus did in Jesus's death, burial, and resurrection, ascension, and in the seating down in heavenly places in authority. And we need to know that that's where we live from. We can have the ascended life because Jesus Christ paid for the accessibility for the Holy Spirit to come into our lives. And now we become one with the spirit of the living God. And because we are one, because God himself has taken up residence on the inside of us, that makes our whole spirit, soul, and body sanctified and holy. Hallelujah. Bless you guys. Look forward to next week where we take up from um, part eight of the Ascended series. Love you so much. Go back over this. So much richness to this podcast. Please share it around. Let people know, uh, you know, the revelation that you got out of this and share it around and give me some five stars and go on there and make some comments. Um, make them all good, would you? I just prophesy. <laughs> uh, bless you guys. Love you and look forward to next week. And until then, pray now for signing off. Thanks again for joining us today on Wake Up Into Your Dreams. My great friend Tony Fitzgerald would say you have two great days in your life, the day you were born and the day you discovered why. In these podcasts, I'm hoping this is true, that you are having aha moments and great moments of getting introduced to the true you because your whole world is waiting for the authentic you to show up. If you're enjoying these podcasts, please go to www.barrymiracle.ca. You can check out my book, Wake Up Into Your Dream. You can connect. You can see where we're going to be live in the future. And uh, you can just connect with us there. But this is Barry Miracle, your dream coach, signing off for now. We'll talk to you next week.